Hi troops, welcome to the Steve Perriman podcast. Thank you for tuning in again um, in a much happier week. Why? Because of, of course, the Sheffield United performance and scoreline. Four goals in one game, a clean sheet. Um, players that we believed should be on the field were on the field of play and showing what they could do. And of course, people say it's only Sheffield United. Yes, but they're the, they're the team in front of us and they're the team that needs to get beaten. So, so the point of today's podcast is, is um, glorify ourselves with this fine victory, but also to pay homage to the 60-61 team led by the great Bill Nicholson um, because on May the 6th, 1961, they beat Leicester City 2-0 at Wembley in front of 100,000, plus a few jibbers, I have no doubt. Um, Smith and Dyson, the goal scorers, after a wonderful year, and I think Howard is going to, uh, to let us know his feelings about that special team and, and some of the statistics that, that surround it, and we'll probably have a stat off later on. But um, why not when we've uh, got something so brilliant to celebrate the 60-year anniversary of that great achievement? So, yeah, again, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. And over to you, Howard. Give us, uh, give us some of what you got. Thanks a lot, Steve. The double, winning both the league and the FA Cup in one season. The 60-61 team set out to do just that. No team had managed it in the 20th century. The League Cup hadn't been created and the European games were still in their infancy. So the double was all. Allegedly, Danny Blanchflower, club captain and philosopher, told the club chairman that we would win the double that following year. And so the most famous of our teams set out in 6061. Brown, Baker, Henry, Norman Mackay, Blanchflower, Dyson, Allen, Jones, White and Smith. In season 59-60, Spurs had finished third and Bill Nicholson went looking to strengthen his team. And that year he bought three Scots, Bill Brown, Dave Mackay and John White. From the first kick in 1960, this team was remarkable. They won their first 11 league games, a record. They drew one all with City in the 12th game and then went unbeaten until Sheffield Wednesday in the 16th game. They won 16 away games in the league using the least number of players in one season and equaled the highest number of points ever scored in one season. The following season saw the addition of one player, Jimmy Greaves. This greatest of all goal scorers joined and the team improved because of it. They had superstars, Mackay, Blanchflower, White, Greaves and Jones. It was inevitably going to be tough for all future sides ever to match the double team. I had just started attending games regularly. I either went by public transport I was given the lift by a few of the older men I knew who knew my brother and lived close to my home. However well the team played, the supporters who were brought up watching the double team were never satisfied. The birth of the moaners. God bless them. <laughs> the next decade saw some decline. The double team itself broke up quickly with Mackay breaking his leg at Old Trafford and then after his recovery in a reserve game he broke it again. Blanchflower had recurring knee problems and retired. 
Norman broke a leg in a charity game and retired too. Worst of all, John White, around whom Bill Nicholson planned on rebuilding the team, was struck by lightning and died. Billy Nick had led them to success in the early 70s and then he retired in 1974 to be shockingly succeeded by Terry Neal, he of Arsenal fame. And many others ever since, but none have reached the heights of the double era. So just how good was the double team? This is, of course, an impossible question to answer, and I expect every fan would choose their own team. I do, however, always hear something in others' comments that recognises that the Spurs team of 60-61 was an exceptional one. Looking back at some press cuttings from the time, we can see that the journalists knew what they were looking at. They suggested a European tournament so that Spurs could have worthy competition. So where are we now? Levy has now completed 20 years in charge. Along the way, loads of full storms, with new managers brought in very regularly, building a team, mostly of players not quite good enough. The most important relationship in a club is that between chairman and manager. Each new manager comes in with a good relationship with Daniel Levy, and then it's ours. The best manager we've had in the last 30 years was Mauricio Pochettino. He had a great relationship with Levy, holidaying together and more. The team improved, but something happened, I've no idea what, around January 2019. The club was progressing in the Champions League, but there were problems in the backroom, which led to very poor results. And we all, all allowed our thrill at our progress in Europe to paper over the cracks. It didn't take long for Posh to be sacked. Very quickly in came Jose Mourinho, never popular at Spurs, both for his Chelsea connections and his style of football. He lasted 19 months. As the media constantly tell us, it is a long time since we last won some silverware. On the other side, we have won more points in the last few years, apart from City and Liverpool, despite our much smaller budget. Incredibly, we actually attract a huge following with our new stage stadium awe-inspiring and a state-of-the-art academy and training ground. When I meet people who are football fans, the question immediately asked is, who do you support? You expect it will be United or City or Liverpool or worse, Arsenal or Chelsea. In my experience, a fair number of them cite Tottenham, despite the silverware situation. Tottenham fans are passionately committed to their team a team which has always played with style and flair, and our songs are easily the best. It's only a matter of time before those trophies start to accumulate. So Tottenham Hotspur march on with their great history of players who not only played for our club, but loved it. And next week, if we, if we get the opportunity, I'd like to talk about the best side other than the double side, the 1982 team. Thank you, Howard. Thanks for the, the mention of that particular team. I always say a successful club needs, um, why is it successful? Well, success comes, of course, by winning trophies. A successful club needs leadership in the boardroom and of that great 60-61 season, it was Fred Bierman. And it's not just about the chairman, it's the board of directors that allow certain things to happen. The manager's office, uh, Bill Nicholson, of course, the great Bill, and on the pitch, Danny Blancheflower, the wonderful captain that Howard's mentioned. So I think that's a little bit of a blueprint, really, for to have success, make success, keep success. 
Um, but also, as Howard mentioned, you know, successful players get old, get injured, fade away, new players are signed. So I just want to mention a few of my links with that great double team, because to remind you, I joined in 1967 as an apprentice professional. So from 61, okay, it's not so far away. I actually don't feel that old, but I must be. When we were going through a tough spell, uh, one of the papers, I think it was a Sunday Mirror, spoke to the double team, as they are entitled to, to ask them what that famous team thought of our current situation, struggling at the bottom of the first division. I'm never going to forget this. Morris Norman said, I hear they don't even drink together. Now, you might find that funny, but actually it's true because Howard mentioned the 82 team. Okay, the 82 team span off the 81 team and the start of success at, at Wembley and all that led to. Well, guess what? When we got back to Cheson after an away trip back on the bus, we just spent three, two, three, four hours together on the bus. We actually wanted to spend more time together. So we'd go around the corner from the training ground to the ball pub and in, I think it's in Chesant or Broxbourne, and where we would talk more about the game. And I suppose on the bus, you're all separated off. Whereas the fact over a, a pint of beer or two pints, you can actually talk more as a group and uh, sort out the problems or tell each other how good we are, etc. So, So I thought as funny as that, that quote was from Morris Norman, I was very sad at the time, I have to say, because of our situation. Um, I'm, I, I, I made it right, actually. My other link was with Ron Henry. Ron Henry, left back of the famous team, played one game for England, as Bill Nicholson did, as I did. So we have something in common. When I was coming up through the teams, juniors, youth, into the A-team, Ron was coming down and we met in the A-team. So every team in that era played 4-2-4. And me and Ron were left, left-footed Ron, and me on the right, in the middle two, the sort of engine room, as people call it. So I learned a hell of a lot from Ron Henry, how to conduct yourself, how to be with your own players, how to be with the opponent's players. Can you imagine playing at places like Wellingborough and Crittle Athletic, etc. These players wanted to beat Ron Henry because he played, he was famous and he played for the double team. And what about his, his attitude to football, Ron? The fact he allowed himself to come into the A-team and lead young professional players like me and others. Uh, in such a positive manner, and, and uh, I, you know, the, the association carries on because a couple of years ago, uh, myself, Ozzy, Ricky, and Pat, Big Pat, we we did we spoke at a dinner for Ronnie Henry, who was Ron Henry's uh, grandson, and as much as we like Ronnie Henry, of course we do, we did it out of respect for Ron Henry, and the the it it 
it added to all of us uh, in in the course of our careers. And even even Ozzy and Ricky knew him through being around the dressing room and around the training ground at times. So so that was great. Cliff Jones, I mean, I, I can't, there's not enough words to talk about Cliff Jones. So respectful, so humble, uh, always immaculate dressed and attitude. And I spoke to him today because there were, my thinking was, and I'm apologizing for it, that Cliff was gonna come on the program. Well, for whatever reason, we couldn't quite match that up. But um, he wanted me to say hello to everyone and tell everyone what a great judge Bill Nicholson was, how important the spine of the team was to him, to Bill, which followed on through the years of, of Bill Nicholson making new teams. And, um, and yeah, so Cliff Jones, great, great man. Dave Mackay, I was an apprentice when Dave was leading the team, Danny having left, Dave took over and uh, he oozed class, Dave Mackay. He absolutely oozed leadership. Um, he took control of the whole training ground. He took control of everything. He certainly controlled training sessions and five-a-side competitions and stuff like that. And let everyone know that he was the great Dave Mackay. And as, 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 as flash as that sounds, where Dave concerned, it wasn't flash because Dave was the man. He was the man and he carried himself as the man. I've spoken before about Danny Blanchflower. Within one week of driving around, being driven around uh, Belfast, I was pointed out where the great Danny was born. And that particular green door over there, that, that was where Danny was, Blanchflower was born. And then a week later, when visiting my daughter at university, went a certain way exiting the, the pub where we ate, and um, I was pointed out again by a friend of mine that the great Danny Blanchflower is buried there. So I saw within a week where he was born and where he was buried. And um, yeah, great, great man. So I am heralded with the fact that I won the most trophies at Tottenham. Well, I think in a way it's not quite right. Uh, yes, it is in numbers. I think those those warriors, those soldiers on behalf of Tottenham Hotspur that won the double, you need to multiply their action by about six, I would think, to be not being generous, actually. And therefore, I pale into insignificance as per the, the trophies that they won. And um, that that double victory says a lot about Tottenham Hotspur and, and the great Bill and describes everything that's that's good about our club. So the other links were that, you know, the staff on the in the club when I joined was Andy Thompson, Jack Coxford, uh, Johnny Wallace. And these people all spoke great things about the past of Tottenham Hotspur. Andy Thompson was attached to the 1921 Cup winners. I think he played three games that in that season. And, um, and uh, yeah, just, just always stories about the, the push and run team and the double team. So, so it, it goes to show you what a great, uh, great place it was. And um, 
Ninian, uh, Dave's nephew, I've spoken to you before. He was on trial at Tottenham when I was a young player. He was a young player. I think he spent six months with us. He tells a story about um, Dave being very influential to John White joining the club. And uh, at the end of that great season, Dave said to him, sort of sticking his chest out, John, um, how is it your decision to join Tottenham? What, you know, was it good by me to, to encourage you here? And John White said, Dave, I love Tottenham Hotspur. I just love it. It's the best decision I've ever made. And um, I know that most of us feel the same way. Uh, Ninian also tells me that Dave bought a house in Southgate. This is the great Dave Mackay. Bought a, a house in Southgate and he bought the house of Terry Hall. And Terry Hall, for the older listeners, um, his act was Lenny the Lion. And uh, of course he had five or six different lions and he left one in Dave's house. And Ninian, as a young sort of 10 year old, was going through the doors, opening doors of places where he probably shouldn't have been. And then this lion just popped out of somewhere and frightened him to death. So yeah, I also looked through the appearance record of um, the players in that particular season and I come across a name Barton. Tom tells me that that's Ken Barton. And when I questioned Cliff Jones about it, he described him as a North, from North Wales, a Welsh speaker. And he played one game in that famous season. And I think he played about four games over four seasons. So not a, not a top liner. You know, I, I struggled to, to know his name. But, um, but yeah, so I asked uh, Cliff, did you speak Welsh to him, being a Welsh speaker? And Cliff said, I'm from South Wales and I don't know one word in, in, in Welsh. So, um, yeah, Ken Barton, I think, died in 1982, being 44 years of age. So, so yeah, Dave, Dave Mackay was also a joiner by trade and... Um, by coincidence, so was John White. And uh, I think Dave got John White round his house a few times when when uh, Isabel, his lovely wife, um, felt that uh, wood panelling was needed in various parts of the house, which was the, the, the fashion then. And rather than Dave do it himself, he got John, John White, the famous John White, got him into to uh, do the joinery work for him. So goes to show the camaraderie and the spirit amongst this group of people and, and no one got above their self and um, well led by a great manager and a, a real group of warriors that, you know, did some magnificent feats with their, um, with their results home and away. And um, I did feel sorry looking through the stats. I felt sorry for crew, crew Alexander, because the year before, when Tottenham finished third, I looked at their FA Cup record and they drew with Crew and then beat them 13-2, which I probably is still a record. And then the following season in the FA Cup that Tottenham won, eventually, as I said before, beating Leicester City, 
They drew Crew Alexander again and beat them 5 1. How must Crew have been thinking when that uh, draw was made out of the hat? Tottenham Hotspur versus Crew Alexander. Ah, here we go again. So, um, yeah, that's my lot in terms of uh, talking about the double team. Um, I love talking about them because uh, a great team who, who put the put the club on a, a certain standing to then follow it up with with different victories and cup FA Cups and and European Cup winners Cups etc. So um, you never get fr uh, you never get fed up of listening to such stories. So Tom, welcome. Um, we, we need to mention Leeds in this uh, podcast because apparently we're here because of Leeds United. Um, are you looking forward to the game, Tom, and how do you see it? Well, to be honest, since uh, since Sunday, I've spent most of the week working out all the permutations for uh, for the top four. Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm actually feeling really positive now. Uh, I know I probably shouldn't be because we're Tottenham and, uh, and I'm probably uh, wrapped up in naivety by looking at, by feeling this positive but right now you know if we win all four of our remaining games um i think we're gonna finish top four looking at the uh look, looking at who, who the other guys have got i mean west west ham almost seems to be our biggest uh problem at the moment given that chelsea and leicester have to play each other um and if we can make up you know a few points on leicester we could be having a shootout with them on the final day of the season yeah. To see, uh, to, to, to see who makes top four. Obviously, Liverpool um, have got a tricky game in hand against Man United away. Um, West Ham, yeah, they've got to play uh, Brighton away, which isn't going to be an easy one. Um, they've got Everton, Everton at home as well. Um, but you know, I've got, I've got a feeling it's gonna, it's gonna finish in a, in a shootout with Leicester on the final day, provided we, uh, we now don't just go and chuck it all away by losing to Leeds at the weekend. Yeah. Um, Leeds have been a breath of fresh air, haven't they, this year where we've all had to watch, didn't have to watch, but we all watched so many games on television. Do you remember the first game of the season against Liverpool? How positive their performance was? Wow. Didn't they open everyone's eyes? Did. And we were... Um... We we were very much made to uh, appreciate them when uh, when we played them as well. If you remember the commentators, Glenn, including Glenn, uh, even though we were three 0 up, spent most of the game uh, reminding us how uh, how good Leeds are and what and yeah, with good reason they have been a real breath of fresh air this this year. And I, I love the way Bielsa has them playing, um, but at the same time, I think they've there's, there's plenty about them that we can that we can exploit. If uh, especially now we've got um, Bale on final cylinders again I know it was only Sheffield United if we can say that the other day but um, but you know it just looked like the shackles were off uh, playing like you said earlier players who we kind of want to see starting um, mm. and I think I think we'll definitely give Leeds a good game on the, on Saturday Bell was interesting wasn't he I don't know how you feel about this Howard but until Bell scored his first goal he looked very average <laughs> He was making more mistakes than doing good stuff. And I mean, he, he very rarely plays it easy, does he? You know, so it, when he's just made three mistakes, one after the other, it's not like the full thing he's going to go and play easy because his game is not based on easy. But uh, after that, wow, didn't he take off? Didn't he take off? So, in fact, I ended up feeling a little bit sorry for Harry <laughs> because it's like Harry wasn't in on the party, was he? He hadn't been invited. 
Yeah, he did. He did. He did look a bit miffed at missing one or two, didn't he? But um, I think I think what was great about um, Bale is that he had so many games like that back in his um, his brilliant 2012 2013 season, where you know he just wouldn't. And obviously, we were playing yeah a reasonably conservative style of football to say the least under under AVB. And games would be uh, they'd be tight. You know, Bale would barely get into the game, and then um, out of nowhere, he'd just uh, score a winner into the top corner. Um, yeah. And you know, we and we, we we celebrated that, and and I and I think that that's the kind of player he is. He he's not going to spend the whole game um, tearing things up. And as you say, he plays. He, he he never does the simple thing, and um and and it may not be happening for him for half a game, but then it'll just suddenly click. And like we saw on 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 Sunday, he'll he'll just have a purple patch and uh, and destroy a team. And I think it really shows, you know, I really do wonder how much we've been deprived this season, how many goals we may have seen, how many extra points we might have had if he'd have played more. I just don't understand why, you know, I think what we've seen from him, the games, the games he's played, the games he's started are the games he's, he's done really well. They're the games, yeah. even, even if he doesn't score early, like the other day, you know, he scored just for kind of half time and then scored two more towards the end. And Jose was just bringing him on. Yeah. For most of the season, he's been bringing him on for, uh, as, as a difference almost maker later like on. An, almost like an afterthought. Exactly. He? He and on. yeah. Yeah. And, and it just seems like he doesn't get into the games that way. He's not, he's not a, he's not a Defoe or a, yeah. One of the, one of these guys who you kind of bring on to make something happen. He's someone who kind of almost like grows into the game. Um, yeah. And, and and then explodes. And as I say, I, I, I'm I'm gutted looking back at it when you think about what we could have, uh, yeah, what we could have seen um, in a lot of the kind of tighter games, a lot of the kind of one one nil holding on and then conceding a uh, a late equaliser games where if he'd have been used right, yeah, we may well have already qualified for the Champions League and, and maybe even been looking higher at the table. You know, who knows? Yeah, it's all yeah by the by, but it does make you wonder. Two very tight games against West Ham United, weren't they? Yeah. When we were 3-0 up and in the second one where we sort of dominated the second half and just fell short. I mean, I hope that doesn't come back to haunt us. And mentioning uh, Jose, do you see Jose has um, got a new very job? Much. Yes. Didn't take yeah. him long, did it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, we have to mention Ericsson. Ericsson's a league winner. Yeah. Into Milan, isn't he? And I think he's he's. It looked like he was struggling to start, but he's he's. I think he's been a regular for the last at least fifteen, eighteen, maybe twenty games. Right. So uh, he's he's gone and earned his money out there. Well, well done to him because he's a. He was a quality player, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, well done to Oliver Skip as well at Norwich. Wow. Yeah. Getting promoted. What a... And uh, they were they they were they were singing. Uh, we want you to stay. To him the other day outside uh, outside the team bus, so um, I think it's going to be it's going to be good having him back to to kind of ease, yeah. ease back into the first team. Hopefully at Spurs, um, he he had a uh, surgery on his metatarsal today, I believe. Oh, did he? Um, yeah. So so yeah, he's going to have a summer of recovery, but um, yeah, back in time for preseason. Well, I never do this to you, chaps, but I'm going to push you on this one. Uh, prediction for the Leeds game, Howard. 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one to us? Yep. Of course. Tom? 2-0 to us. 
Okay, I'm going 3-1 then. To us. 3-1 to us, absolutely. So, well done. Thank you, chaps, for your um, input again, as ever. Um, been good talking to you. Um, fantastic memories of the <coughs> famous double team. Uh, let's hope we can continue the good form into the Leeds match, Saturday lunchtime-ish. And uh, three more points would do us all the world of good, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And, um, yeah, so get behind your team. Uh, let's build on the Sheffield United performance and result. And come on, you Spurs.